Well, I was praying on the way, on the way down because uh, I came down from uh, sort of Bal Balamina area. I was in Balamina last night doing a, a concert up there and spoke at a church up that way this morning. And I was praying on the way down about what to say tonight. And uh, I was going to like say this whole other message. And then God just laid this scripture on my heart. I just have a scripture. And then we'll just see what God says through it. Eh? See what we can pull out of this text together. So it's Isaiah chapter 6. It's a really well-known, if like anybody knows any chapters from Isaiah, it's always Isaiah 6. But uh, let me just read a few verses and, um, and let's see what God will say to us tonight. In verse 1 it says, In the year the king Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him stood the seraphim, each had six wings. With two he covered his face, and with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one called to the another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the foundations of the threshold shook at the voice of him who called, and the house was filled with smoke. And I said, Woe is me, for I am lost, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips, for my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a burning coal that he had taken with tongs from the altar. And he touched my mouth and said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away. And your sin is atoned for. And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Who shall I send and who will go for us? Then I said, here I am, send me. Isaiah is a, a prophet in the Old Testament. If you're, if you're new to the church or if you're new to Christian things, uh, one of the things you'll, you need to understand is that there's an Old Testament and there's a New Testament, two different parts of the Bible. And in the Old Testament, there were a lot of prophets who spoke to God's people and brought messages from God to his people. And one of those prophets is this guy called Isaiah. And in Isaiah chapter 6, what we read there is we read God's, uh, God's calling of Isaiah to be a prophet. He's saying to Isaiah, Isaiah, I want you to speak for me. I want you to be my voice to my people. I want you to say things that need to be said. And I want to say to you tonight that, you know, that's God's call on all of our lives in the New Testament. We're all called to be, with a small p, prophets. And I don't mean necessarily that you're going to walk up to people in, in, the, in the supermarket and predict the future, like those kind of prophets. I mean, I'm sure people have got those kind of gifts. That's, that's beyond most of us, though. I'm not clever enough for that. I'm talking about just being people who bring life and hope and faith, who speak God's word into our world. 
And in that sense, we're all called to be prophetic. We're all called to be prophets. We're all called to hear what God is saying and, and release it. And that's what happens here. Isaiah gets his calling. And the first thing that happens is this. Isaiah sees God. He has a vision of God. And it blows him away. When Isaiah has this vision of God, it completely floors him. He sees this vision and God's lifted up high, holy. There's, there's angels and seraphim and angelic beings that are flying around and they're singing, holy, holy, holy. It's this like mega picture of, of almighty God. And I, I have a question for you tonight. I wonder what your idea of God is. Because everyone's got an idea of what they think God's like. Often our ideas of God are based on our own experiences of life. We see God through our own kind of spectacles. We frame God through our experiences. Often we look at God through our own, uh, our own earthly fathers. Now, I know in this church tonight, some of you had awesome earthly fathers and maybe still do have. Others of you maybe had terrible earthly fathers or maybe still do have. But one of the things we all have in common is that none of us had perfect earthly fathers. None of us. Even the good ones weren't perfect. And so one of the things we have to learn to do is to see God in a different way. Some people, uh, it's not so much the father thing. Other people see God through the eyes of religion. Some people, their, their God is a stern, austere God. You know, he's just, he's got a baseball bat and he's ready to hit you when you get it wrong. That's their vision of God's just mean. He's a mean God and he's just waiting to get you and he loves it. He's just waiting for you to mess up. I wonder if that's your picture of who God is. Can I say to you guys and girls tonight that if you're going to become the person you're supposed to become, you first have to have a proper view of who God is. You've got to see God for who he is. You have a revelation of God in your life. It might not be like Isaiah. It might not be a physical vision of God. I don't know many people who've ever had that. But there has to come a sort of internal revelation, a kind of internal realization of who God is, that he's almighty God, he's holy God, he's awesome God, he's the God who can do anything, he's the God of wonders, he's the God of miracles. you got to have a sense that I'm serving almighty God. You see, when you feel that way, when you start to realize who God is, it picks you up, it enables you to live a whole different way. I want to say to you tonight, maybe some of you, your God is too small. He's a God who can only just scrape you through it. He's the God who maybe just shows up occasionally. Others of you, your God is too distant. It's too far away. I'm grateful that we serve a God who's with us by the power of the Holy Spirit. It's not even that, even greater than that. He's not only with us, he's in us. I mean, doesn't that, does that fry your brain? It just blows me away. You mean, okay, God, you are the God of the universe and by your spirit you are in me. 
One of the things that we have to do if we're going to be a people, a prophetic people, a people who bring life and hope to others, is we've got to see with new eyes. We have to see God in a fresh way. And I hope that tonight, maybe some of you, you're going to leave this place tonight seeing God in a fresh way. He's not an angry God. He's not a mean God. He's not a distant God. He's a good God. And he loves you. And he's got good plans for your life. He's got good purposes for you. He wants to do awesome things in you. He wants to do awesome things through you. He loves you. You're in his hand. He's never going to give up on you. He's never going to let you go. He loves to forgive people. He loves to have mercy on people. That's the kind of God he is. Isaiah has this vision. And when he has this vision, not only does he see God how God is, but he also then sees himself in a different way too. I don't know what Isaiah thought of himself up until this moment, but when he suddenly sees God, do you notice what Isaiah says? He goes, wow, woe is me. I'm in trouble because I've just seen God. I've just seen this holy awesome, amazing God, and he now sees himself and he feels so dirty and so small and so insignificant. In some of your translations of the Bible, you'll find he says, he says, woe is me, I am undone. It's like somebody just opened you up and just exposed everything about you. Have you ever felt that before? Have you ever felt like God did that? You ever felt like you had yourself together and you were all dignified and you had your life together and then God put his finger on something in your life and you you weren't all together anymore, you were undone? That's what's happening here to Isaiah. In in, in this translation, this is the English Standard Version, he says, uh, woe is me, I am lost. I'm lost. I don't know you tonight. I don't know what's going on in your life. I know some of you, but I don't know all of you. I wonder if you're lost. I wonder if there's anyone in this room tonight, and if you're really honest, you you don't know Christ. You haven't really met God yet in in life. You haven't connected with God's purpose for you, why he made you, why he created you. And if you're honest, you go, man, I'm I'm lost. I'm lost. That's a serious thing to be lost. Being lost in this life is one thing. Being lost in the next is something completely different. Not something to take lightly. It's one of the reasons that we, as God's people, need to be this kind of prophetic people in our world. It's one of the reasons we need to bring life and hope to those that are lost and take that seriously in our lives. You know, earlier we were getting ready to for the meeting, and Nick, I think Nikki went, didn't she? Did she leave with Jessica? But uh, we were we were all here, and I was talking to Daryl. And I saw Nikki had Jessica over her knee and was hitting her like this. And I thought, man, she's, she's in trouble. She's, been, she's telling her off. You know, man, she's giving her a good whack. And then I realized she wasn't hitting the bum. She was hitting her back because Jessica was choking. 
And, you know, for a, it probably was about 60 seconds, wasn't it? But it was a little bit scary, you know, like this kid's choking and Nikki's trying to get this thing out of her throat. But I noticed something about Nikki is that she was passionately committed to get that out of her daughter's throat. There was no ifs or buts. She didn't just sit there and go, oh, well, my daughter's choking. Well, if it be your will, Lord, that the, this choking gets dealt with, you know. We just, we, just give, we just give it to you, God. We just commit it in your hands, and whatever will be, will be. Oh, no. Oh, no. She was passionately engaged, her whole being, in getting that thing out of her daughter's thro throat. And I wonder why sometimes we're so laid back with the gospel. Because if we really believe the gospel, if we really believe that people are lost, we ought to be passionately engaged, committed with all of our being to getting them unlost. You know, with some enthusiasm and some life, just be enthusiastic about who Jesus is and what he's done and how he wants to save and reach people. Do you know this? I was staying in a bed and breakfast last night up, up near, in I don't know where I was, somewhere in the countryside. And, um, and, and, and this morning I came down from my breakfast and I, I was, there was a you know, wee Irish lady that was my host and she, uh, she was making breakfast and she suddenly started to talk to me about uh, sheep And uh, praise God, yeah, brother. <laughs> and, uh, you know, she, she farms sheep. And so she started telling me about sheep. Now, i got to be honest with you. I have completely no interest in sheep. I'm sorry, but I'm not really that bothered, you know. I'm just, I, just, I was more interested in my breakfast, really. But that didn't even cross her mind. I mean, she was going to tell me about sheep. And off she went, and she started telling me about sheep and, and the lambing season and the ewes, and she started telling me about what happens when the lambs are born, and she just went for it, she, and it kind of gushed out of her. And after about five minutes, I, thought, I started getting into it. I was like, really, is that what happens in February? Wow, man. Well, I mean, I just got caught up in her enthusiasm. She started telling me, she goes, when I'm lambing, I don't go to bed for like three weeks. Three weeks? What do you mean you don't go to bed? She, I just sleep, sleep on the couch. It's like 24 hours a day for three weeks. I, I was like totally engaged. I went from being completely ambivalent about sheep, not even thinking about sheep, don't even care about sheep, to, man, I'm, I want some sheep. I want to be a sheep farmer. <laughs> And you know what it was? It was her enthusiasm that caught me up in it. She wasn't trying to make me a sheep farmer. She was just telling me what she loved. And I just got caught up in it. And I wonder, when's the last time you sat with someone and just told them enthusiastically about God and what he's done in your life and how cool he is? I was at Tesco's once getting stuff for a youth barbecue and we're getting you know and the, the guy looks at me he goes hey somebody's having a party tonight <laughs> you know as he's doing the checkout 
And I said, oh, yeah, actually, it's, our, it's a, we're having a barbecue from the youth of our church. And he goes, oh, well, right. I said, I said you, you should come. He said, well, I, what do you mean? <laughs> I, said, I said, well, you look young enough. We have this, we have this youth barbecue, and do you, do you go to church? He said, man, he said, no one's ever asked me that for like years. He said, my granny wants me to go to church. I said, well, you should, go, you should come to our church. It's really cool. He said, I've never heard anyone say church is cool before. He said, I've heard it called a lot of things, but not cool. I said, well, you should check it out. And I, you know, I wasn't trying to like witness to him and turn it into this big thing. I was just excited about the youth barbecue. I wonder, are you excited about your relationship with Christ? Is it bubbling up in you? Are you passionately committed to seeing lost people found so that it actually moves you to take action? Do something in your life. Isaiah, woe is me, I'm undone, I'm lost, he said. And he says this, he says, I'm unclean. He says, I'm a man of unclean lips. And I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips and my eyes have seen the king. I wonder what's been coming out of your mouth lately. We live in this world and I mean, I don't live in Northern Ireland, so I don't know. But I'm guessing it's probably similar to England. I know it's better, I know, right? But, <laughs> uh, but similar to England, right? It's Western. And it's just so easy just to let the words of our mouths be the same as everybody else's. Have you noticed that? I mean, people, you just... You ever go to work and someone starts saying, oh, it's raining again today. And it's just terrible. It's been raining for four days now. And before you know it, you're just joining in. Oh, yeah, it's the rain. Just terrible. And, and, you're, and your words are just the same as everybody else's. But I think God's calling us to have different kind of lips, purified lips, holy lips. We, we, we say something else. We have something else going on in our lives. A seraphim takes a burning coal from the altar of God, flies to Isaiah and touches his lips with this burning coal. Isaiah's lips are touched by the holiness of God. Fire in the scripture speaks of holiness. The holiness of God touches Isaiah's lips and something happens in him. He's no longer a man of unclean lips. And I want to say, Christians, we don't need to be people of unclean lips. Whether that's, I mean, I, I think, you know, I'm, I'm not just talking about, you know, swearing and stuff. Although that's probably ought not to be happening in our lives. But there are other ways our lips can be unclean. Gossiping. We ought not to be people of unclean lips who just gossip like everybody else. Oh, have you seen what she's wearing? Before you know it, you're all joining in and having a little gossip. We ought, not to have, we ought not to have lying lips. We ought not to speak things that are not true out of our lips. We ought not to be people of discouragement. But we need the holiness of God to touch our mouths. 
and so that when we step, out, step foot into any environment, we walk in there with holy lips, full of life, full of praise, full of enthusiasm, full of encouragement. Just speak life to people. You're doing great. God loves you. Come on, you're gonna make it. Put your arm around somebody and give them a squeeze and tell them it's gonna be fine and, and share the love of Christ with them. When someone's going through the toughest time, maybe God's put you there to be the person who's gonna speak life to them. You see, when you start to see things in a fresh way and your lips are renewed, everything changes. Let me share just a quick story with you. My father-in-law has been a missionary uh, for 50 years. He, uh, he, he, he took my wife, when my wife was two years old, took the family. They went to live in Singapore and then Malaysia and were missionaries in Asia for many, many years. He still travels down to Mexico and Asia, does a lot of stuff. And he was stuck in an airport. And uh, he was, his flight was delayed for eight hours. So for eight hours, and some of you have traveled, and you know what traveling is like. It's, still, it's still a bit dull, isn't it, really? It's nice getting to the destination, but the whole traveling thing is just a pain, isn't it, really? And, and so eight hours, he's now going to be stuck in this airport. But he says this. He's complaining, oh, man, here I am stuck here for eight hours. And he said the Holy Spirit spoke to him and said, I thought you were a missionary. He said, I am a missionary, Lord. I've been a missionary for nearly 50 years. He said, open your eyes. Look at your mission field for the next eight hours. This is where I've got you. So my father-in-law, you would have to know my father-in-law to appreciate what he did next. My father-in-law started walking around the airport introducing himself to people. And he said, hi, my name is Reverend Irvin Rutherford. I'm the new chaplain of the airport. I just got my, I just got my calling today. Uh, can I, and he would sit down, start talking to people. He said he went and stood in a line and he, uh, you know, where they were serving coffee. And, um, and when he got up to the, to, he bought a coffee and, and he, he said to the girl behind the counter, he says, oh, hi, my name's uh, uh, Irvin Rutherford. I'm the, I'm the new chaplain of the airport. She said, really? He said, yeah. She said, I didn't know we had a chaplain. He said, no, I've just got my job today. She, she said, well, I'm going through a really tough time. He said, well, let's talk a little minute. And he prayed for her and she started crying and he, he encouraged her. And he spent eight hours traveling around, talking to people who were traveling, praying for people, encouraging people. Then his flight was called and he got on the plane and went home. <laughs> I always wonder the next day when Brenda comes to work and says, I want to see that chaplain, and suddenly realizes there is no chaplain, you know. <laughs> but isn't that the way we all ought to be? We're called people. We're chosen people. We're anointed people. We have to see it and start to believe it. We have to open our eyes. We have to see God in a new way, and we have to see ourselves in a new way, and we have to see the world around us in a new way. Just think, tomorrow, God might put you in somebody's world to change their world forever. But you better open your eyes to see it, because if you don't, you'll walk right by. 
and you'll miss the opportunity forever. Isaiah, my final thing, and then we'll pray. After he's touched by God. And I'm going to pray that that happens tonight in this place. Some of you are going to receive a fresh touch from God tonight in this meeting. A fresh anointing from God, a fresh touch of his spirit in your life. After Isaiah receives this touch from the holiness of God, not only are his eyes opened to see, not only is his mouth anointed to speak, but his ears are opened to hear. It says, I heard the voice of the Lord saying, who will I send? Who will go for us? And Isaiah says, here am I. Send me. Notice that in a relatively short space of time, Isaiah goes from being a completely undone, broken man who says, I'm completely undone, I'm completely lost, I'm hopeless. He goes from being that to being a guy who stands on his feet and says, here am I, send me. Send me. That's my dream for you, Vibe Church. That you are not the kind of Christian who is constantly on your knees dealing with your brokenness. I know we have to have those times, but we ought not to get stuck there. Constantly coming back again, oh God, I'm sorry I messed up. Oh God, I'm sorry I messed up. Oh Lord, I'm sorry I messed up again. Constantly dealing with our brokenness because if we never move beyond that, we'll never stand up to know who we actually are and what we're supposed to be doing with our lives. come to that point where we're touched with forgiveness and we're touched with healing or we're touched with restoration or we're touched with mercy. You see, the finished work of Christ then enables us to stand up. You ought to be able to get out of bed tomorrow and say, man, I know who I am. Here am I, Lord. Send me. Send me. And you know, the devil all day long will tell you how bad you are and how wrong you are. And you just got to ignore that. That's just a lie from hell. You've got to know you've been forgiven. You've got to know the finished work of Jesus has done it. We're saying it tonight, Christ is enough for me. And he's enough for all of my sin and he's enough for all of yours too. And we need to stand up in the righteousness and holiness of God and of who we are. And we need to say, Lord, here am I, send me today. Send me today. <clears throat> Some of you say, but I'm, if I say that and then God actually does send me, I won't know what to do. Join the club. None of us know what to do. I've spent 22 years of my life not knowing what to do. I'm just trying to obey God. Saying what he tells me to say. Going where he opens the door for me to go. That's the only plan I've got. I haven't got another plan. I got a bit discouraged a couple of years ago with the ministry and I sat down with my wife. I said, I'm, I think it's time I jack the ministry. I want to do something else. So she says, well, what are you going to do? I said, I don't know. <laughs> Can't do anything else. I'm not qualified for anything else. I don't, I don't have a plan. This is the plan. Stand up tomorrow and get on with it. 
bring life to people, bring hope to people. And I want you to have the same plan in your life. No matter what your job is, no matter what your vacation, or your vocation, not vacation, vocation is. And you be a person who stands up and brings hope and life to other people. Let's bow our heads and we're going to pray. And, you know, just while we are praying, let's just bow our heads. Let's take a moment because what I don't want to do is just say a quick little formal prayer and then we're done. I really want some of you to be touched afresh tonight. I believe that's what God wants to do. He wants to touch your life in a fresh way, in a real way. And so just, you know, wherever you are, whatever's going on in your life, just lean in a bit right now. Just lean into God again in a fresh way. Say, here am I, Lord, here am I. Lord, we want to thank you for your word in our lives. Your word which encourages us, it builds us, it strengthens us, challenges us. And I want to pray for my brothers and sisters in Vibe Church tonight. Lord, that even right now in this moment, you would move among us by the Holy Spirit, move within us and touch us. Touch us, Lord, with forgiveness. I pray for those who just need to know again tonight that they are forgiven. They're cleansed. They're washed in the blood of Jesus. Touch us, God, with encouragement. Touch us with courage. Touch us with hope and faith. Strengthen our resolve. Strengthen our resilience. Lord, I pray tonight that you would open our eyes to see you, God, in a fresh way. Give us a fresh vision where the world has dulled our vision. Open our eyes so we would see you. Lord, where our lips have been unholy, touch our lips so we would speak of you. And where our ears have been stopped up, open our ears to hear your voice. God, we want to be the most enthusiastic, life-giving, prophetic people so that this broken world of ours can understand just how awesome you are. 